In the holy name of Jesus, amen. You can be wise and you can be foolish. You can be wise and foolish with a number of things in life. You can be wise and foolish with money. You can be wise and foolish with your family. You can be wise or foolish with the job that you have. You can be wise or you can be foolish even with your health. And you can be wise and you can be foolish with this place, the church. How do you want it? Do you want to be wise or do you want to be foolish? Forget all of those other things that I talked about just a few moments ago. Everything that we gather around today here is about the church. Not about your wisdom with your money, not about the wisdom with your family or the foolishness with your health or anything else like that. Today it all boils down to the fact that Jesus Christ is going to return. And as we're going to say in a few moments with the creed, he will come to judge both the living and the dead. So if you are six feet under the ground, he will return. If you are still alive, he will return. You cannot escape this. Your money won't save you. Your health won't save you. Your family won't stand in your stead and say what a great person or a terrible person you are or were. You will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give answer yourself to the wisdom or foolishness that you have enacted in. Wise or foolish, how do you want it? What's the difference? The fools get distracted and the wise ones keep their eye on the goal. This is really a difficult parable to interpret, but it is always the parable that we end with our church year with. And it must be taken in the context of the whole story of what Jesus is telling us about the end of all things, which is not really the end, but the beginning. This is not like those billboards that you see out on the countryside that say, Jesus is coming, boo, are you scared out of your pants? You better get ready. How do you want to spend eternity smoking or non-smoking or whatever else it might be? This is the beginning, the renewal of all things. Normally, when we think of the end, we think of horrifying and scary things. We've been talking about this over and over the last several months in the book of Revelation. Burning, moons turning to blood, antichrists, all sorts of stuff. But here's the deal. If you focus on those things, then yes, it will be horrifying to look at. Look at the fools that got shut out and excluded. Jesus tells a few more stories here showing us how things will be. And the very next one, the parable of the talents, there is a guy who is afraid of the master. He assumes that the master is harsh and unforgiving and he gets kicked out. And then there is the parable of the sheep and the goats and those who were focused so hard on their own accomplishments, making sure that they were doing every right thing with everything in this life here and now, making sure that they were being on target with their money, their health, their finances, their family, everything that seemed to be looking like they were faithful to God, looking at everything that they were doing right, they were sent away. 
and instead the ones who weren't doing so much, who were not so scared and worried about the things of life, but simply who loved and were drawn by Christ, they were entering into salvation of God. The ones who were afraid of the harsh judgment received that harsh judgment. So this makes us ask a question even more. So who in the heck is Jesus? Has he given you a reason to be afraid of him because he is so harsh? Really? Is that really what we think of God, what we think of Jesus? Go for it then. Find some things that make you think you're supposed to be afraid of him. How does Jesus come to us? We're going to celebrate this in four weeks. It's hard to believe. He comes to us as a little baby. Who doesn't love a cute little baby and diapers cooing and giggling and laughing? That is God who comes to you in the flesh. He's the God who comes to learn. The God who sits down and eats with all sorts of sinful people, Pharisees and otherwise. He's the God who liberates people from the slavery of sin. He's the God who weeps at the tomb of his friends who have died, but then raises them from the dead. So should you be afraid of Jesus? Should you be afraid of this place? That is the question that is before us here today. Find those parts that tell you something that you should do. Well, there are a few, aren't there? There are people who don't think that little children should come to Jesus and people who are trying to make a profit out of his temple. There are those who trust in themselves and their wisdom and their righteousness. And yes, they should be afraid. They have shut themselves out and Jesus says it today. They are fools. They didn't listen when he talked of love only when he talked about fear and punishment. All they heard was, do more, try harder, be perfect, do the right thing. So yes, if we are not letting the little children come to Jesus, we should be afraid. And if we're trying to keep people away from Jesus at all, then yes, we should be afraid. He who calms storms, who heals the sick, who raises the dead, will return to judge the living and the dead. And if there's some way that you think that you can buy him off or make him happy with what you've done and how you've planned your life, then you and I are in trouble. He does not need anything that you have, and there's nothing you can do to make him pleased with you. It's so motivating, isn't it? Great pastor, now what do we do? We can't do anything to please him. It sounds like he doesn't need anything from us. In the reality, there is only one thing that he needs from you. Your sins. Every last one of them. Your fears, your doubts, your concerns, your lack of faith and trust, your falling asleep in the midst of his presence. He needs my sins and your sins. And with all of that, he is happy to be with you. He doesn't come to you today and say, just how repentant are you? How sorry are you for all of these things? 
Just how much do you love me? No, you have sat down here today and he has planted before you a feast, a feast of rich foods. You have been seated at a table. You have been washed with his precious blood to wash away all your sins and to give you his Holy Spirit. He has spoken to you the words of everlasting life. Peter said it well, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. He has said to you today, once again, I forgive you all of your sins. Come to me, all who are troubled, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He wants you to know that, yes, he is coming to judge the living and the dead, but because of that, all things will be made new. The broken will be healed. The sick will find a cure. The dead will be raised never to die again. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Hey, we're three for three now. The former things will pass away. The wolf and the lamb will lie down together. The infant will play by the hole of the cobra. These things that we look at and say, oh my goodness, this is scary. That child shouldn't be by that hole. That wolf shouldn't lie down with the lamb. Those things are not going to work out. But this is how the kingdom of God works in your midst. You bring all your troubles, your trials, your fears, your shame, your guilt, and all of your sins and you lay them on Jesus that he may put them to death and promise you nothing but a world of joy and sheer freedom. Freedom to live as people without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of your life. That is what's coming for you. That is what Jesus has already brought to you today amongst you. As the world begins to break apart and fall into pieces, here you can see the place that he has prepared for you as you come and receive him who loves you so much. Here you are reminded that you are not cast out. Here you are told, not by Jesus, go away, I never knew you, but you are his beloved children. In the end... Don't get distracted. That's what all the stuff around us is all about today. We've beaten to death this pandemic. I'm tired of talking about it and about preaching about it and discussing it. Whether or not we should move forward in one way or another way or whatever else it is. We've beaten to death the politics the social unrest, the fears of racial division. It's all distractions from what really matters for you and me today, for what really endures. Jesus, his love is what endures. It's fine to take interest in these things that you find around you in the world, but what you have here today comes in the midst of those things and they become your life and your salvation. The things of this world can become your idols and they can become problematic for you. But Jesus comes along and says, there's only one place for one God. And the question that we must ask ourselves today and every day is simply this. For your life, 
for the life of this church. Who is sitting on the throne? He will come to judge the living and the dead, but he does not come to tell us that he is here to scare us. False prophets will continue to multiply and turn us against one another out of fear and hate, and so love will grow cold these days, as will anger and anxiety. But go back to these virgins today. They had been chosen to be in the wedding. All of them were clothed for the event. All of them were given the directions. All of them were there, but they got distracted. All of them. They all fell asleep. And then when they heard that he was coming, who, those who were afraid of his harsh judgment ran off to get something to make him happy. Jesus says they are fools. They got distracted. Rather than looking to the bridegroom, to the coming Lord, to the one who redeems all, they looked to themselves and all they could see were five fools without oil in their lamps. When they forgot that they had already been invited and chosen and vested for the feast, they didn't trust the bridegroom. So Jesus says they were fools. They ran. The wise ones, they stayed. We are not told, but I can only think that there were other people there too. Jesus likes a party. That's where you're headed. That's what you have received today. A party where there's rejoicing in the presence of the Lord, who likewise had not run off, even though he was taking his sweet time getting there. Do we think he's taking too long? <laughs> Don't ask me. I'll give you my answer right away. Does it seem like maybe he's forgotten? Sure. Is he delayed for some reason? The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Church, no matter what you face today, tomorrow, next week, next year, do not get distracted. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for you, the joy set before him, laid down his life for you. And he knows what he is doing. He knows what he's doing today, even with you, his church, even if we don't know what we're doing. He's coming, and he's coming soon. And by a wise and timely faith, he has given to you this day, we simply respond, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.